Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. Every day I get to help women rise and find their own healing despite their circumstances. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. If you're looking for just betrayal topics, catch me on my former podcast where there are four years of golden content, all for free at your fingertips. All right, let's do this. Welcome everybody to Out of the Box Healing. This is Jessica and I'm a foot zone and quantum healing practitioner. And, uh, and I'm passionate about healing and helping others also on their healing journeys. Um, I'm really excited today to have Ashlyn Allen here with me today. She um, has done many podcasts throughout the years. Recently, she is a part of a podcast called This is Ashlyn. You can find it on Spotify and also Apple Podcasts. Um, so the first time I learned about Ashlyn was a few years ago with um, some of the podcasts you guys did with the betrayed, um, the addicted and the expert. And that was when I first really came to know um, you and kind of hear your story. And I was really just blown away by the courage that you and your former spouse displayed in sharing your story. I think so many can relate to it. And there's so much, um, gosh, like, it's, it's, there's so much shame and like taboo about talking about some of these to- topics. And so I just have really loved and admired you from afar. Um, and uh, just to get started, would you be willing to kind of introduce to the viewers a little bit more about who you are and like, and what you do? You bet. And just hearing you say so many people can relate. It's, it's terrible. And I hate it when someone new comes into my life because we connect in our pain. Uh, but it is true. It's the best worst club that I've ever joined. And it's the once betrayed. And over the years, I've now um, gotten to be friends with the betrayers as well, and gotten to see both sides of the healing and um, both sides deserve that healing and, and the life and love that they have always wanted. And for some of us, it works out to remain in the marriage and, and continue on with that and rebuild and for others, it does not. And I've done both. I stayed and we worked through it for years and then we grew apart and, and ended our marriage. So um, I am divorced and it's a crazy thing. I never thought I'd be there. Um, I also never thought I'd be sharing publicly taboo topics, but I really do try my hardest to show up for the older versions of me who felt so alone and you know, full of shame and hiding what was happening in my marriage and within my heart because I was too afraid to ask for help. And so I show up for me. So when you see me on Instagram or on my podcast, I'm talking to me more than anyone. And um, I get to help women from around the world who are the ones betrayed work through that. We do online groups and then I do retreats. I have one for divorcees. We're going to Iceland in just a month to just reclaim and find that freedom again. And 
So yeah, I get to witness some really beautiful parts of a woman's journey, which is to find herself again after heartbreak. Yeah, it really is going back to that choosing yourself, which it can be so challenging. I think even culturally, we're not really taught to mm -hmm. pick ourselves. And so we start doing that, it can feel so foreign. It's like, I'm doing something wrong here, you know? So oh, how, yeah. how did you get to that realization for yourself, you know? Well, it's interesting you say that because just the other day I was talking to a friend and said, you know, when I became more confident, I didn't think I was cute, even cute until I was about 36 years old. That's mm -hmm. a long time to think you're ugly and not worthy and not mm -hmm. enough. And my now boyfriend, it's like it blows his mind. How, how did you think that long that you were not enough? But then it's also makes sense based on how my marriage was for, you know, 21 years. Um, but having and gaining confidence as an adult feels really, really icky in the beginning because it feels selfish. It feels in, indulging, you know, even to, an ex to accept a compliment, um, to take care of ourselves and say, Hey, I matter enough that I'm going to start doing these things every day to take care of myself, like elevated self-care, not just like take a shower, brush my teeth, but like really try and make effort to. I'm going to go out with friends. I'm going to take a bubble bath and that kind of thing. Um, it's uncomfortable at first. And I do think, like you said, it's uh, the society. I was taught to people, please. I was taught to take care of everyone else. And then culturally, you know, be the mom, be the mom. And so even though I've always kind of had a job and chosen to work and be a mom, it still was foreign to me to accept that I am worthy of all the things and to start to really take care of myself. So I, it's even, it's, uh, I think of the take up space. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I could take up space and use my voice. And it was really, really scary for me after my divorce to do so with men. I just felt a lot of, I had to work through a lot of the betrayal of men and feeling more dominated with um, their voices. And to stand up in, in my own way for myself, that it wasn't angry and mean, uh, but soft and beautiful and, and honoring me more than honoring <laughs> the people around me. So yeah. now I can do both. Oh, I think it's so beautiful. It's really that, it makes me think of the feminine energy, you know, it's just stepping back into your feminine. And it's so beautiful when, you know, we, we as women can do that because, society doesn't really cater to that. And so it takes a lot of effort to go back there again, you know? Well, and you know, as a single mom, it's tough to stay in that feminine energy when you really are taking care of all sides. You're the mom, you're the dad. Yeah. And, and we don't really have a lot of choice in that. And so uh, just the other day, we were talking about some of the little things that I try to do to come back to that is dancing. Mm -hmm. And especially dancing with a man and I'm terrible because I want to lead. And they have to keep like, no, stop. Like, let me show you where to go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at this. But I, it also makes sense. You know, every day I'm showing up as the masculine and the feminine, which we all have both, but single moms, it's a little different. It is. It's tricky. It's funny because I, I took up some dancing recently and had this, a very similar experience. He was like, you just need to let go. And I'm like, oh, that's so hard. I don't know how to like, yeah, there really is something. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so for the viewers that don't really know your backstory, would you mind giving a little bit to it and like what led you to the Betrayed, the Addicted um, and the Expert podcast? Sure. Uh, it's definitely not my life plan, but it, here it is. So uh, I got married very young. I was 19 years old and um, I grew up in a religion that it was just that was the next step. And I didn't think a lot about it. And neither did he. So it was just exciting to get married. And we got married without talking about very much. And so now dating as an adult, I see like, oh, wow, I wish I could have done it different. Um, so, you know, week one of being married, it already felt off. There were already secrets being kept. And that was heartbreaking for me of just, I know, like I knew my gut was saying something was off, but I had zero skills of how to communicate in a loving way or to ask questions that were clarifying. It was just assumptions, creating stories, and then being mad. Um, so I would, over the years, um, ask accusatory questions. Like I didn't leave room for him to answer yes or no. It was just defense, like the, the dukes were up and he was ready to fight because whether he was guilty or not, I wasn't even giving him a chance to be honest. And so uh, I found out fairly soon, the first six years, that he had this secret compulsion with uh, pornography. So it started there. It happened throughout his life since he was 12 years old. And so that's a, that's a painful thing for most uh, partners to find out is, one, it's secretive. But two, that it's like, wait, I'm right here. Why are you going to this thing on the internet or on your phone when I'm right here? So it was confusing for me then. Uh, and then he had an emotional affair, which a lot of people don't know what that is and often kind of brush it away. Uh, but it actually has a lot more impact sometimes than a physical affair because it is a connection. It's, it's the parts of your relationships that most of us love the most. It's the emotional connection. You have spiritual connection. You're talking about your inner world together. And um, it wasn't something he planned to do. It was something that happened at work, commiserating about marriage. And that's uh, tricky because your work friends, you spend a lot of time with them. And so it turned into this thing. Uh, they got caught. Um, that couple ended up divorcing, unfortunately, over it. And um, we kept trying. And uh, six years later, we did some therapy here and there, the wrong kind of therapy, I will say. We went to a sex therapist because we thought that must be the problem. They said you're, uh, they called him a sex addict and that he needed to go to a 12-step program. So he started that, went to class, but didn't do the work, right? Which he fully admits on the podcast. Um, six years later, he had another affair. Uh, this one was a little bit different. It's emotional and some more of that physical side. And it was it was too much at that point for me where I just, I'd hidden it for so long. I've told no one really, even with therapists, we weren't really giving full truth. It was kind of protect ourselves and the relationship, even though we were hurting. And um, this beautiful thing happened where a girl I went to high school with sent me a private message on Facebook and said, I'm doing this conference for women who've been betrayed. And I would really appreciate it if you would just share it on your Facebook. And I thought, 
Um, I was already public doing, you know, influencer things back then, had my business mom of their fitness. And I thought one, that sounds really scary to share something like that on my social media, but two, does she know my story? Like, what does she know? And she didn't know anything. She really was just asking, like, do me a solid. Um, but that was the first time that I shared my story. And um, now I get women who do that on, you know, the weekly. And it's, I know that feeling. It's scary. It's terrifying. Are they going to judge me? But it's also safe because you don't really know them and you don't see them at the grocery store or at church or anything like that. Um, so I went to that conference, learned that there was therapists who specialized in people who've been betrayed and people who have betrayed and, and really that there was a certain type of healing and trauma work that I could do to find peace. And so we started into that journey. He offered, you know, my former husband was like, let's do it. Let's find this place. We went to auto recovery and I hated it. I hated it. Um, I was really resentful that I had to be there and work on me when, when he was the one doing stuff. And yet I grew to love it after a few months. It was like, okay, these are things I would have never worked on in my entire life had I not been compelled to. And there's nothing wrong with being compelled. I'm definitely one who I'm compelled to make change. And I have no shame in that. Um, I used to. Um, I really respect those who just choose to go and work on themselves when they're in a good place already. But I waited till the wheels were falling off before I chose to work on myself. And uh, we worked recovery for many years and started a podcast with not our therapist, but a former, you know, he was in the same, he saw my former husband kind of shift and grow. We just said, what, what, a, what's something we wish we would have had. And it was hearing from both sides, the betrayed and the addicted and a therapist who could really find the kind of explain what was happening. And so from there, we became a top 10 podcast and got to help people around the world just by showing up and giving a little bit of our inner world. And unfortunately, our marriage ended. Um, but, you know, I'm two, two years into the divorce and we both are grateful for how awful it was um, that divorce because it gave us both a gift. And, you know, I didn't see it in the beginning. It was really painful and almost another form of betrayal, but uh, it's been a gift. It's been a gift that I didn't know I needed and has given me more opportunity to, again, compelled to work on more of myself. Yeah. Well, I just think it's, you guys are amazing and remarkable to to just share your story. I just think it's, it's, um, takes a lot of courage. So I really appreciate, um, the things I've learned from you guys. Um, um, what do you feel like you've gained through this process? Through sharing? Yeah. Just, and just your experience. like, I'm just, I'm curious, like how that occurs for you. Uh, I know it's kind of a loaded question, but yeah. So it's tricky because I'll, I'll answer both sides, I guess, because I mean, I was an interior designer before this. I had a life before this work. And I, like I said, I, I really had no plans for it and I pushed it away for a long time. Um, but yet now it feels like this is my purpose. This is why it's just a different feeling to be able to witness women shifting real time in front of your face, uh, than helping people spend a lot of money on their home, which that was fun too, but it was just different. Um, 
when people reach out and say, I want to do what you're doing, I want to share my story and how do I start and what do I do? I think I have no idea. I didn't plan on doing this. This, it went viral. It went, it was just this weird thing that we chose to do and everything's kind of fallen into my hands and I've, I've taken it. Um, so I don't know how to advise people how to do that part of it other than to make sure that you're prepared. Uh, the minute we shared, it went viral. It, we had people at our doorstep. We had emails, texts, phone calls of people that knew us saying we need help too. We had no idea. This is where you were. Um, it was just, it was a big weight that was dropped on us that we were not prepared for. And, um, so after we shared our stories, when I started hosting these online groups and it really shifted my world, I, I waited a year and a half after we shared our video because I just didn't feel perfect. I know I'm not a therapist. Why on earth would people want to work with me? Uh, and my therapist would continually say, you're an expert in your field. Like most of my clients are actually in therapy, but then they come to our group setting and it's different They're, You know, they can cross off. They're learning from each other. And that's the one thing that really helped me in my own journey. And so I, I love being able to give the gifts of like, oh, this helped shift me in such a big way. And I want you to have it too. And so that's really what I try to do with the groups and the retreats is spread that magic. I mean, we live in a place where it's kind of the Mecca for healing and up here in Northern Utah, and we have so many different modalities to work through trauma and pain. And so for me, the, the life I have now, maybe on paper looks messy. You know, I met someone the other day and I'm like, oh, you're so brave and you're so this. And I just hear that and think, no, like that isn't me. I'm just showing up. I'm just showing up and I'm trying to use these skills that are, that have, that, you know, I've desperately grasped onto and loved, but it's radically changed my life for the better. So on paper, my life looks messy, but I am the happiest I have ever been. And I'm not married right now. Like I'm, my life is not at all what I planned, but it's been this beautiful journey that was unexpected. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, it goes back to the, like, like me just observing you, like even through your divorce, like I've observed you and, um, you know, it's like when you share your story, you don't realize like you're passing on like that. Um, gosh, what's the word for it? It's a, it's like a vibration, you know, that you're passing on to someone else and they're, you're giving them hope to say, oh, I can do that too. Like, you know, so it's just, yeah, a just process. I like say how you said that because it is, it's what my friend did for me mm -hmm. and helped me feel brave and say, okay, I dare tell someone my story because I, I need help. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of feeling this way. Um, it is crazy to think that that like a small thing on the internet can give in, in that sort of way and, and help someone change their life. I don't really do anything. I share me, but they have to be the ones who actually do the work and choose themselves. And so that's cool. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, it makes me think of the mile, you know, how they never thought like they could get it past a certain time frame, but then once they did, like, you know, everybody was doing it. And so it's kind of the same. I think it's just, it's modeling progress, which I think is just so beautiful. So I love that about what, what you're doing. Um, um, let's see, what else do I have here? Um, let's see. 
Well, the other thing I just wanted to bring up too is these topics can be so taboo. I know when I've tried to share certain things that I've struggled with um, and in relationships, oftentimes mm -hmm. it, it wasn't fostered with, I wasn't received well, I should say. So have you mm -hmm. had a lot of that as well or has it been mostly positive for you guys? Um, well, our divorce was not received well. <laughs> People were very upset over that. Yeah. Um, and we tried to be as boundary as we could with really setting people up like here's here's what's happening this is actually our real life and i don't have space to soothe people who are upset and so i really tried to show up like it was a shock to us both it, it's not something that we were hiding it, that kind of thing and and we're not answering questions um we're not telling details we did do a podcast that was kind of a farewell um type of thing but that would be i think the only thing um what i've told people who who want to share uh, vulnerable stuff on the internet is i really try to set myself up like i explain why i'm about to share what i'm about to share and how it impacted me by staying quiet or staying small so for instance i do these things called freedom photos and it's when i go on a hike I find the solitude of no one's around and I take off my shirt and my bra and I take a, you know, my back is facing the camera, but I'm showing the earth like here I am. And I'm not just this sexual being. I am a woman and I'm a body and I'm also a sexual being. Um, but I just, for me to pull away from all of the sexualized narratives in my head of what a woman's body is because of how it damaged my relationship and then hiding it for so long and protecting women on the internet you know i don't want to show my cleavage or my my shoulders or whatever to protect other women who were hurting i knew what that felt like um it's it's been really beautiful for me to have those but if i don't set it up before i share those photos people are very confused why are you sharing something like this without the context? I have to explain, this is freedom for me. Yeah. And this, it's been freedom for a lot of men and women to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so it's not freedom for everyone, but uh, for me, I, that would be my only tip is to really set yourself up and not leave a lot of room for uh, the questioning or the judgment. They're gonna judge anyway, but, uh, I don't leave a lot of room for people to leave those kind of comments, I guess. Mm, that's such good advice, like setting that up. I love that. And I love too the idea of um, of just owning who you are and, and doing that in nature. And, you know, you're in a safe space. You're not there to harm anybody or do anything inappropriate. You're just there to be you and, and to heal from that trauma. So I think that's really beautiful. Um, what, what advice can you give to others that are also going through similar challenges, whether it's mm. divorce, whether it's betrayal. Co-parenting, all of it, right? <laughs> um, I would say ask for help. It's so hard to ask for help in any of it. And I just, now I know better. I've wasted so many years and so much energy trying to do it on my own or trying to like, I'll just pray it away or I'll just, ignore it away like none of it worked um i actually had to put like put feet into my action and and move 
And so I, it was, I feel like one giant step to say, here's my reality. I need help. That's a giant step. Then a million baby steps after that. And I still take them. I still choose, you know, I have a reoccurring therapy appointment every month. Sometimes I go, sometimes I don't, Um, but it's there in case I need it. And um, it's just trauma work. It's for me to undo some of those negative beliefs in my head that I still have. Um, And, you know, as I'm in a new relationship, things are coming up that never came up before. Things that were right there in my face that it's just different now. So that I guess would be my biggest thing is just, you're so not alone. We're so afraid we're going to run into someone we know at a group meeting or at therapy. And I want you to just like zoom out enough to realize how great that is. If you see someone, you know, that means you're not alone with someone, you know, that's such a gift. And we feel so much shame around it. Uh, So whatever you're in, as much as you can do that, I think is helpful because I showed up in shame at my first group meeting. I showed up in shame at therapy. I hope no one sees me or thinks, why am I here? Instead of like, I'm here and you are too. So I actually love when I go to therapy and people are like, oh, hey, and they they acknowledge me and we're saying hi because we're both there for the same stuff. We want healing. Yeah. Well, and it's so beautiful because we can relate with the human, right? Like, yeah. And, and I think we, again, it goes back to culture. I think sometimes we're taught like we need to be perfect or, and it's these false belief systems that are just really creating such um, walls between us all. And it doesn't need to be. So I love that. Um, I think too, like rejection can, like rejection in these types of situations can be so big. Like, what mm-hmm. did you do personally that really helped you to just like, throw that to the, the wind and, you know, step into your power, your personal power. Like you have. The rejection is giant after divorce. Um, like betrayal was rejection. Absolutely. But I felt like the divorce was even harder for me. And part of it is I think because I had tools, I knew how to feel. Whereas when I was first going through betrayal, I was still learning how to feel. And so it didn't, it felt painful, but this was a whole new level of pain. I mean, I was, I was suicidal uh, when the divorce was like said, this is what I want to do. And for me, it was, I got to that place because of the lack of hope I had in my future. I didn't see anyone who would want me after that. You know, I had a partner who was saying they'd rather be alone than be with me. Who on earth would rather, who was going to pick me after that? You know, you're just, you're so low. Um, So uh, the day I was suicidal, it was Valentine's Day. Uh, The next day I called the doctor and I just, you know, I had a girlfriend that I FaceTimed in that moment and my former husband came and just held me in that moment and apologized, but also was like, you're, you're a mom, you're a mom of these kids. Like you're still, we're still a family and we need you here. Like you need to. So he still showed up in that for me, but I went to the doctor, I got on Wellbutrin and it was a miracle for me that it worked the day of, I know that's not normal, but I'm like, I don't care if it was placebo or not. It saved my life. Um, I got into therapy. I was going weekly to help on just like download all of these horrible thoughts and beliefs that I was having all the work that I had done after the betrayal to rebuild my self-esteem and to trust myself again. 
and to believe that I was enough. It just, it like everything came back. Like I'd never worked on it before. And it was heartbreaking. Like what? I've done so much work to get here and to love myself. And here I am again. Um, But what I've learned is it's a new arena. Of course, I felt all those same feelings again, because I'd never been there. And I was alone. And in a very new way and trying to run a business on my own. And it it just was a lot all at once. Um, So therapy, medication. um, I highly, highly recommend finding people in the same boat. So, but maybe two steps ahead, not people who are behind you or right there with you, but it, it is a very helpful thing to have. I Marco Polo a lot of my girlfriends. And so we have these groups of where the divorced moms, you know, and some have remarried now, but it matters to have people who get it and who aren't judging when we feel crazy and who, when we feel low, and then we feel that desperate desire to have hope in our future, but we just don't feel it. They can help remind you. Um, And then um, having stuff to look forward to. I, you know, I've always taken care of myself the last 10 years, but I added that one in after my divorce because one, I was hopeless of my future, but I had to start planning. I planned a lot of trips uh, during that time when I didn't have my kids, when I was sad and lonely it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go and explore an adventure and find me again. Mm-hmm. And that helped me as well, like reclaim and come back to myself, learn to trust myself again. Little ways I built trust again was because it was like, how did I not see the divorce coming? So I must not, my gut must be off, right? Well, it wasn't. Um, but I had to rebuild with like, I'm going to dye my hair, but I'm not going to ask anyone. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm not going to ask anyone for their opinion. I'm going to trust that my opinion is the most important. And so that was new for me. And it sounds silly, but if you've been in a place where you've lost trust with yourself, it makes a thousand percent sense. So like, I'm going to go buy myself food and I'm going to get something different than I normally get. And I'm going to trust that decision or it just little things like that really mattered to me. Um, And then the book, if you're going through divorce, conscious uncoupling, um, the work with that, every chapter has work to do. I had a lot of beautiful undoing moments by doing the work sheets in that book to just really let go and surrender in a way I'd never have before. I think it's because I was alone. Like I didn't have someone to help me really surrender. It wasn't a team effort. It was like, I'm doing this for me, a thousand percent for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's because you're you're just kind of forced. Like it's there in your face. Like you said, you can't you can't get away from it. And it's it's challenging. It's challenging to want to sit in that. Um, so I totally relate with that. I know for me personally, I I tended to be kind of more of the anxious attached in the relationship. And you know, I'm coming up on a year of like, you know, separation. And wow, like what a change in myself I'm seeing because I've just been sitting in the uncomfortable, you know, to a point where I don't feel that anxiousness anymore. And I still have twinges at times, you know, but it does, it feels like a victory. It's like, I really am gaining so much through this process individually. And I just couldn't, wouldn't trade that, you know, it's personal healing that really needed to take place for me to be able to create a healthy connection. Um, you know, and so I think sometimes it can be hard though, because we can see those that we love um, and we still care for them. 
Um, and you know, it's different for every person and I'm not here to judge a person's uh, path of healing, but um, what does a person do when they're doing, they're still doing their work, but maybe the person that, you know, they're connected to, they wanted so much. And maybe even it's just a space of love. Like you want so much for them to be able to heal too. Right. And yes. what advice do you give to people that maybe they're not quite seeing that, you know, in, in that partner, I guess, I mean, I guess there's a, a huge layer of surrendering because right. You've already uncoupled, but, um, so you're saying like you're divorced or you're no longer a couple. How do you deal with that when one person's doing the work and one's not? Yeah, because I think you're still always affected whether there's children or not. Like yeah. what advice do you give to people in those types of dynamics? Um, on the conscious uncoupling, because that's what the book is for. It's for, mm-hmm. yeah, you, we only can control our own actions and our own work. And so I had a lot of, they have like soul to soul conversations where I, you know, said all the things I wanted to say that I was mad about and heard about. I got to go and have that conversation in my brain, like not go and actually tell him because why would he care at that point? Um, It felt very healing for me to release that, like to acknowledge it, to write it down and to own it and say like, I'm mad about all of these things and it isn't fair. And here I am. And So, so to do that, um, it takes a lot of mental and emotional energy to do the work and then to be with someone who is not uh, maybe showing up the way that even that you knew them, you know, like how was I ever married to this person or love this person like this when they treat me like this? Uh, I know in the first part of our divorce, like the first year, year and a half, um, there was a lot of questioning, like, are you doing this? Is this a trick? Are you doing this? Is there like a hidden thing agenda behind it? Are you doing something to hurt me? And I was like, what, why on earth would I ever do something? Like, I'm just trying to find compromise here. Um, my, my former partner is doing his work, but it took him a minute to get there, um, to, to have space enough for himself to, to do that. Um, so we have a lot of great co-parenting moments, but we also have moments where we struggle. And uh, I was telling you before we started recording, it's a trick to learn the in-between of, I need to use my voice and stand up for myself. And I also need to take all this emotion out of it because we're not repairing our relationship. We're not coming back together. We are separately healing and also co-parenting at the same time. So it's different than when I was married and trying to repair the relationship after an argument and try to use my voice. So um, great learning experiences to to try to find that happy medium. And so I, I highly encourage people to have your people. If you don't have a group or a therapist, um, get them because you're going to, I call it my first draft. So you can journaling is a first draft, you know, so you can go through, I have a journal prompt that's like five journal prompts to help you basically come up with your first draft. Sometimes you need a second draft, like get on Marco Polo app and talk it out with someone that's safe. That's not going to judge, but who can help you like, Hey, maybe say it this way. So that sounds, um, accusatory, uh, in the beginning of our divorce, I used the decree a lot of the times to refer to, And uh, a really good male friend said, hey, maybe don't do that anymore. Because what you're doing in that moment 
is you're setting him off already. You know, he's ready to fight because you're ready to fight. How about you ask questions to clarify before you say you're not following the decree? Da, 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 da. It's helped me understand why this is happening. And it gave my former partner an opportunity to explain himself rather than me just do the old pattern of I'm going to accuse and get mad. So I, I, I think even though we're not repairing and you may have a really dysfunctional former partner, you still have opportunities that are right in front of your face to work through your own patterns and your own behaviors, the way we deliver things, the way we ask, the way we stand up for ourselves. It matters. And you can always, I, my biggest motto of my divorce is I want to make my future self proud. And whenever I didn't make my future self proud was when I was being too emotional with my former partner. He, he didn't need to have all my emotion. I had places for my emotion to go and he, he wasn't it, but I was using him for that in the beginning. Well, and understandable because I think sometimes it's so hard to, or challenging just to cut that off, right? Like you've spent totally 20 years together and then to just say, I can't do that anymore. It's like, what? It's hard because it's your best friend and your partner. Yeah. It's so many things. Yes, totally. Um, so what I've, so what I've noticed in my own journey is just how important it is to find that forgiveness for yourself and for others, kind of like uh, piggybacking on what we're saying here. So like what, any words of wisdom for those that are, kind of struggle with this, you know, myself included here. Yeah. Um, words of wisdom with that. Or things Say that it again. Or what, are, what are some things that have helped you? Um, in this process of like forgiving and letting go and surrendering, right? It's so hard because forgiveness, I think is triggering for most people. Cause they're like, what? I'm not forgiving. Um, but for me, it was forgiving. It's exactly what they say. It releases ourselves from mm-hmm. holding on. And I just wanted to untether myself from him and, and to honor what we had but also move forward knowing that I was going to do things different and that we could still be cordial and kind without the, the ickiness. We still have ickiness here and there. Um, but um, it really, for me, it goes back to, I wanted to make my future self proud. I couldn't imagine my future self still stuck in blame and shame and victim of he divorced me. Why would my future self still be there? And so I wanted, I wanted to find that for myself. And for me, it, I think it's the letting go of like, it really, will it matter in five years if I never get an apology? You know, will it matter in five years if this, this, and this, a lot of times the answer is no. And when the answer is yes, you got to deal with it. But for a lot of the things that would bother me, the answer was no, it didn't, it wasn't going to matter. And so I needed to learn how to let go of those things. Um, I have gotten apologies since the divorce. And it's like what every girl dreams of after a divorce is like, I wish they would just acknowledge how painful it was and, and how abrupt and it's unfair and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I get it. I've had both where I was blamed and not acknowledged and then totally given the apology. And I'll tell you what, once you've let go, 
the apology is great, but it doesn't, I mean, it gave me very little because I'm not in a place where I'm like, I need that so much. The truth is I didn't, none of us need it. We think we need it. Um, but it really, for me, my, my grieving and divorce was a, was more for me. Like I had to grieve the parts of me who didn't stand up for myself, who ignored the signs and forgiveness of self was a much bigger thing to tackle than forgiveness for him. Yeah. Because I just, I was disappointed in myself. I was hurt and it was public and, and there was some shame in that. And that was even shameful to say that I was feeling shame. Like it was just so stupid. Um, but now the reality is I can see what he did and he owns that it was abrupt and quick, but it was a gift. It was a gift for him to use his voice in such a way. And it was a gift for me to have him do what I could not do myself, which was to ask for a divorce. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I mean, it kind of brings me back. Um, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, just all challenging, you know, it's really uncomfortable, but I agree with you. It really does come back to that forgiveness of self sometimes can be the hardest. I can definitely see that in my own journey. It's like, you can go back and see your mistakes and wish you could have done it a little different. So for sure, we can do the best we know how. Um, I'm also going to just add, I am a big believer of the gray rock method, especially if your partner is not in a place of like, we're positive co-parenting together. And so I'm very uninteresting. That is the gray rock method is just be boring. And they know the buttons to push with you and you know, their buttons and to allow yourself to just pause and not respond and keep it short, um, takes a lot, a lot from you. However, it serves you in the long run. And so, I mean, it's, he's, he does the gray rock method back to me. We're just boring to each other now and it works out great. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm like a really strong believer that, you know, we didn't come here to fail. Like Mm. healing is possible for everyone. And I think sometimes when you're starting this journey, it can feel pretty daunting, you know, and you've described how there's times where you've had to read, you felt like you were starting over. I've definitely mm-hmm. had that myself where it's like, I've done so much work. Why am I still doing this? Right. Totally. Like, and it's so discouraging. So, but I really believe like we're come here, we, we were brought here and not to fail. And, um, and it, going back to that process of asking for help and how important that is, is I think a big tool to shifting. Right. Um, so in that process, I think sometimes um, it can get so discouraging for those that are addicted, that have the addictions, and they can't seem to really manage them. So do you have any thoughts or insights to share with those that do struggle with addictions, like from your perspective now? Um, yeah, yeah um, I have a lot of respect for anyone who's choosing to step into the healing portion of life after they've been addicted. I, the truth is we're all addicted in, to something in some way, right? And mm-hmm. so I often tried to just put myself in their shoes and say, well, if I was told I could never eat sugar again and it's always there around me, that's really hard. 
and they're choosing to give up something that is something a lot of them have had for decades. So it's hard. Um, I think the success I've seen in those who have been addicted is always in a group setting. So when they are, I think individual therapy is fantastic. I think inpatient programs are great. But where, where I think they fall short is understanding that shame a lot of times is driving these addictions. And if we're too ashamed to be in a group setting, how on earth are we going to get better? That's my, what I've seen and what I have seen work is that these, uh, I mean, I've seen men who they're in group and they are checking in with each other because your partner should not be your, uh, you know, sponsor kind of thing. But I just, I don't think you can do anything alone. We're not meant to. There's so much light and knowledge in the world right now, especially. And there's so many people who are hurting that, you know, we have these areas, there's Facebook groups, there's paid groups, there's therapeutic groups, there's all these things that we can take a part of. And if you're trying to do it alone, I just, it, it sounds impossible and feels impossible. But if you have someone, um, why I love group is you could be talking about your story and something you're struggling with that week. And I may not even have that in my mind, but I'm hearing you talk about it and work through it and going, oh my gosh, this is how that fits into my life. And, and I'm gaining and learning from someone who has a totally different story than mine, that I, that's something you don't get in therapy. And so I would highly recommend both. Like you ask for help from somebody who's a professional in what you're addicted to, and then find a group of people who are that like-minded wanting to get better. Yeah. I, I like that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, to finish up, I want to ask like two more little questions here. So I know you've talked a lot about facing the Buffalo mm-hmm. and, um, I've also, I, I love that sim- the symbolism of that. I think it is just so great. Um, so for those that aren't familiar, the, the symbolism of the buffalo, it's always, the buffalo is always facing the storm. So when a storm is approaching, they are facing it, they're leading into it. Um, so if you could give any like final words to assist those that are facing the storms of life and eager to heal. I'll keep going, <laughs> keep going and remind yourself. So if you need a wearable reminder, when uh, that's what I needed in different stages of my life where I felt the lowest and felt the strongest, like I am being the Buffalo right now, which is really brave. I'm not trying to skirt around it or run from it. I'm trying to heal. I would wear a necklace that, you know, the first one said enough. And I would just grab that necklace and kind of rub it like, okay, I'm enough and I can do this. And then I started wearing, um, be the Buffalo tattoos, like little um, washable ones just as that reminder, you look down at my wrist, like, okay, I could do this. I know it's a tough season, but it's not going to last forever. Uh, and then I started wearing, I got a, made a Buffalo turquoise ring, um, and would wear that there's, I think wearable things have been really meaningful for me. Um, but another one, it sounds really silly, but having, uh, whether it's a journal that you're writing or something in your phone where you're, sharing the good things, the wins, because we often, especially in a season where we're fighting for healing, 
it's really easy to be like another really hard day. We got in another fight or I'm super low and I don't want to get out of bed. But what about the times when you do get out of bed and you take a shower? Are you patting yourself on the back? Are you cheering for yourself? Because that's what I have learned is I have to be my biggest cheerleader. And it kind of goes back to what we were first talking about, that confidence. It feels weird in the beginning, but I'm really proud of me a lot of the time. But I don't have many people to tell because that's weird, right? And so I'm going to write it down. I'm going to speak it to the people who I love and who will be happy for me and be proud of my small wins. And that, again, can be something in therapy or in a group setting as well, if you don't have friends like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's so great. It is. It's the simple things, because I think when you've gone through so much trauma, it is, it's getting up and taking that shower and it's amazing. So, or it's noticing a beautiful flower and it really gives you um, a chance to pause on the simple things. So love that advice. Um, how can people reach you? And, and can you, wow. you want to share some of the retreats that you do? Yeah. So uh, this is ashlyn.com and it's A-S-H-L-Y-N-N. Uh, I'm also, this is Ashlyn on Instagram and Facebook and I do these retreats. So I do this divorce retreat in Iceland, but I have these other retreats that are here in Utah that are for every woman. So they may come with the story of betrayal or divorce or faith transition, but really they're just there to heal. We're not connecting in pain. So we never really share our stories unless they're choosing to privately. We're there to grow. And so they're called the Rise Within Retreats. And it really is all the magic of the healing that I've been able to participate in. I bring all of those people, like my favorite breathwork person, my favorite therapist, my favorite massage therapist, my favorite photographer and dance. And we just do my therapist laughs. She's like, you do so many things at your retreat. I just want everyone to have the magic. And it is so fun to see them come in on day one and be nervous and scared. You know, they're so uncomfortable. They just traveled alone and they're here. They are with a bunch of other women. They don't know. And we just dive right in. And by the end, they're like, I love you. And they love each other. And it's days. And it's one of the coolest things. Um, one of the massage therapists is a man. He said, I have never seen uh, people shift so quickly. I don't know if men can do this. Is it like, is this a woman thing that women can collectively come together and just heal? And I do think there's power in it. I think we have a little bit more magic to say there's collective energy that we're willing to be vulnerable and, and be really scared and say, I'm going to do it anyway and do it with me. We can do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have another one coming up in November and it opens early bird pricing Mother's Day weekend. Thanks for being here with me today. Whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email.